glute strain. Glute? I, I read yes. hip. My bad. Yeah. Um, it's in the hipple area. We still haven't actually seen a point where the entire lineup is playing to its potential at once, and I hope that that comes soon. For a guy who has extreme trouble pronouncing things, a hearty thank you to whoever at the front, whomever at the front office decided these were the guys to go get. Hello and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 243, where, once the paperwork becomes final, this will be hosted by a box of baseballs next week. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the um, flexible Joshua Housem. How are you doing, Josh? <laughs> I'm not ever flexible when we come to the show. What are we talking about? Uh, the trade deadline. It is important to be flexible, both in your expectations <laughs> and your results. Uh, we have trades. I mean, man, do we have trades? We have Whit Merrifield for some reason. Um, we have uh, we have three bullpen uh, trades. We have an overall thought about Jeremy Beasley getting sold for cash. Um, I have uh, <laughs> because that's that's a bullpen thing. Um, the team, while all the trades were going on, has been playing pretty well, and that's worth a mention, um, including the starting rotation and the current state of it, um, which it changed even after the trade deadline. Uh, we have the middle of the order, which probably shouldn't be batting in the middle of the order right now, but, uh, you know, you know how it goes. The Blue Jays did finally announce some kind of concrete stadium renovation plan, and concrete was not an intentional pun there. Um, of course, we have a gold star. It will be for Eric Hosmer, who, um, who may gain the nickname Monkey Wrench at some point in the near future. And um, we have a very special final thought, which I will not reveal at this moment, but by the time we get there, I'm sure you will all guess it. Uh, we shall begin. Mr. Housem, Whit Merrifield, unvaccinated restricted list player, is now a Toronto Blue Jay. <laughs> you were going to name like, one player. You only got one choice of who the Jays weren't going to trade for. <laughs> he probably would have been most people's pick. <laughs> it was really very funny when that, that came out because... The first way it came out was, I think it was Ken Rothensaw said, Whit Merrifield has been traded. And then Blue Jays Twitter en masse was like, well, we know who it's not going to be, too. And yeah. they were all wrong. <laughs> Do over to all of those people. <laughs> the sad trombone ringeth out for all of you. Yes. It's like, oh, I guess I guess you can trade for someone on the restricted list if, if you believe in yourself hard enough. Um, I am not sure what conclusion to come through as to how much value he gives the team um because he's going to miss i think at least 6 games someone's done the math if he were to if he were to instantly get vaccinated today well here's the funny thing about that technically we have no idea what he's done he may have gotten vaccinated beforehand knowing this kind of thing was a possibility true right because Merrifield yeah. has not spoken on this at all but yes if he were to get it today we're recording this on the third. He could he would miss the two series at home in the middle of August, and then he'd be able to play for the rest of the season. It is, yeah. I I also though I think there's something about the Blue Jays tend to go over guys go for guys with a certain attitude that are a good fit for the clubhouse, and it seems like Merrifield was, I mean, not. <laughs> 
based well, on <laughs> it's funny the, the the vaccine stuff pissed people off like without question i mean dayton moore called them disgusting i think is what he said but his reputation as a teammate otherwise is actually stellar so i wonder if this is an area where a new team just isn't going to care it's like okay well he got the dose to play for us so who cares right what does it matter yeah um i guess the whole the whole thing of of I, i'm only going to do it if it matters is is i would be yeah when when are we not going to matter to you there buddy um is kind of the thing but i guess if you're winning you matter and everybody's happy yeah it it and does sorry I, I was just gonna say it does make sense from a baseball standpoint to get a guy who can play center field and second base due to george springer's elbow having its own you know schedule on which it plays yeah springer has missed three of the last four games um he he's he missed the last game and first game around the trade deadline around the all-star break you know it's it's an issue and Rymal Tapia is not a center fielder. I mean, look, Merrifield isn't really a center fielder either, but he has played enough of it at a decent enough level in the last few years. I mean, he's a second baseman first who can play the outfield, but I expect he will get a decent amount of time in center because he is competent there, and Tapia isn't really. Um, I watched the game that Springer did play in. And I'm really questioning why he's not on the IL at the moment, just based on his reactions of like a guy running into his elbow in the dugout as he walked by him was painful. Yeah, there's definitely something wrong there. And I expect that once this trade, once Merrifield reports, he will go on the IL just because there's no point. Why are you doing this? Yeah, you're taking up a roster spot and you're you're providing no value. Thanks. Um we yeah, and, yeah, and they're going to have to make some roster moves just to get Merrifield onto the roster in the first place. Um, I assume most people expected it would be Zimmer leaving because he's somewhat superfluous when you have another guy who can play center field. But in the in the interim, I think it will be Springer on the IL, and then that allows Zimmer to stick around for another couple weeks or whatever, just so you don't lose an asset in case someone else gets hurt, because that's how this stuff goes. Yeah, which we will talk about. Uh, regarding one of the other trades in a minute. Uh, well, actually, do you have any other comments on on, on Merrifield? Yeah, we, we should talk about what he actually brings to the team, <laughs> you know, and what they <laughs> traded away to get him. Um, yeah, so Merrifield is interesting because he's having the worst year of his career. I, I, like that's not even a question. His OPS is six forty three, and he's never been below seven hundred otherwise, and it's the second year in a row where he's been down. So it's not exactly encouraging. That said, last year, even a year where he had a 7-11 OPS, he still had a wins above replacement of three and a half. He hit 42 doubles, stole 40 bases, and played great defense at second base. So he, he has value regardless of whether he hits or not. But one thing he still does do, he's always, he still puts the ball in play. And he actually had a very good July. His most recent month looked a lot more like the guy that he had been previously in Kansas City. Hit 286 with a 345 on base and a 481 slugging. And here's the thing that people aren't really talking about. Espinal and Biggio have been awful lately. Yep. You, you threw up their slash line that all started with, you know, two was the highest number to start any of their... 
<laughs> any of their slash lines. Right. And look, Espinal plays great defense at second. And that matters. I mean, that that's a good thing. But so does Merrifield. And if one of these guys can provide you some offense and the other one can't, you kind of got to go with the guy that provides offense, right? Yeah. I mean, Merrifield, uh, like you said, he, he does not strike out much. And when he does get on base, he's 15 for 18 in steals this year, which would immediately makes him the Blue Jays' most pro prolific base stealer. Yeah, and he's a, always among the American League leaders in stolen bases. That's a very big part of his game, which, as you alluded to there, is something that's not as much a part of the Jays as you would think, given some of the players on their roster. Normally, it's just because the Jays are really slow. <laughs> but they have Springer. They have Bichette. Tapia has gotten a lot of runs. Zimmer pinch runs and doesn't steal bases. You know, Oscar Hernandez, right? They've got some guys who can run, but they just don't steal a lot. So I think that Merrifield, when he's actually allowed to play, well, he, he can play on the road, which they're starting on. But when he's allowed to play every day, I think he'll actually be a very useful addition to the team, even if he's not the superstar that he was three years ago. And then the Blue Jays don't have to play him if he is, in fact, still on the restricted list. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's also he's under contract for next year, too, which is interesting. Uh, the Jays did not get any true rentals, which will go discuss a little further at, after we go through all the trades but yeah they uh so what did they give up so they gave they, up max castillo which he's he's seen some time on the team and he's looked not bad right he's looked fine and mm -hmm. samad taylor who they would have lost in the rule five draft this year if there was one <laughs> but that didn't happen and i think that these guys are okay to lose. It's just not really a big deal to not have those two guys around. I, I feel like that theme is going to come up a lot. Um, but especially in these, like none of the other trades were guys that were around major league ready, but I just think that Taylor, there's no room for him on the roster with all these second basemen now. And Castillo, while well, he got replaced with another trade that we're going to get to. Well, yeah, why don't you go to it? <laughs> sure so the main piece that the blue jays acquired was mitch white who came over from the los angeles dodgers along with alex de jesus for nick frasso and someone whose name i'm forgetting i'm sorry about that a lower a lower minor league pitcher so moises brito that's what it was Frasso was their big pop-up guy this year in the minors. He started throwing 100, and it was just dominating A-ball. He'd never really been healthy since being drafted because he had, he had Tommy John almost immediately after being drafted. So he hadn't pitched a ton in the minors, and he's throughout the season has 36 innings pitched with 57 strikeouts, you know, just dominating A-ball. High price to pay, but... Mitch White helps a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it sounds like Ross Stripling, it is like Ross Stripling, except with a ton of years of control. Yeah, five years left. And White was once upon a time a top 100 prospect. He, he, he throws low, you know, mid-90s, around 93, 94 miles an hour. He averages, which is, you know, the first starting pitcher. That's pretty acceptable. He has your... your 
typical breaking ball slate with the curve slider change. And he, you know, he, he's a useful, solid pitcher who can pitch out of the bullpen or in the rotation. Now, you, you mentioned stripling. This is, like you said, this is a slightly better at the time version of Ross Stripling. And given the Jays' situation with their pitchers when healthy, that's obviously a caveat, which we're going to get to in a bit, but that's the role they need. Someone who can spot start to help Manoa get a day because he's approaching innings limits fast. His next start, he's going to top his career high. So they're going to have to back off him a little bit. You've got Kikuchi who, you know, he's pitching better, but he does better with extra rest. And you know, like, it'll be really useful having a guy who can step in and pitch or be, be the long man. Uh, but they don't get the luxury of using him that way right off the bat because uh, Ross Stripling, the the guy who, you know, he, he represents, who was stepping into the rotation, has a hip strain and is on the I.L. <laughs> Glute strain. Glute? Oh, I read yes. hip. My bad. Yeah. Um, it's in the hipple area. <laughs> yeah, so he actually pitched with it during his last start. So the hope is that he will be out for the minimum. But yeah, Mitch White will go right into the rotation, most likely because of that. So it's, um, it's nice to have that. I mean, people wanted Cindergard because there were rumors of Noah Cindergard, but White is just as good as Cindergard now. I was going to say that I think everybody wanted to trade for like 2017 Noah Syndergaard. Um, that guy doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, Mitch White throws as hard as he does. Because yeah. Noah Syndergaard doesn't throw 100 miles an hour anymore. Exactly. Um, and then the thing that the Blue Jays did first, because we I think we did this in reverse order, um, was trade for bullpen help. And they got bullpen help, but there's... Obviously, discussion of what kind of help they got. They got Anthony Bass back, and they got, sorry, I forget, Zach Pop. How can I forget Zach Pop as a name? First of all, that's an 80-grade name, period. Uh, second of all, he's Canadian, because everybody loves that. Uh, third of all, he throws a, a sinker really hard, and all this is sounding great until you realize that he does uses it to get ground balls. And the thing everybody talked about was the Blue Jays need more swing and miss in their bullpen. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's he's interesting. So we'll, we'll talk about him, and then we'll get to 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 Bass. By the way, we, we didn't talk about Alex DeJesus who came over with Mitch White. He's actually a legitimate prospect. He's like a decent power, good takes a lot of walks, bat in the minors, and he's interesting. So we shouldn't just gloss over that. It's a nice piece to get back as part of that deal. But uh, as for Pop. He was one of the guys who had a bit of an issue with the sticky stuff last year. Uh, since since he came back, his slider is now very different. It's it, it was dropping. It was a much more vertical breaking pitch, whereas now it's more of a sweeping slider. And according to Eno Saris's Stuff Plus metrics, it's one of the 30 best sliders in the game. But he doesn't really use it very much. I'm going to say yet. <laughs> right. And then this is the big thing. He throws this, like we talk about the Jays having power arms. Well, Zach Pop has a power arm. He can throw 99 miles an hour. Power sinker with a ton of movement. And he throws it 78% of the time. I would be shocked 
if the Jays don't alter that <laughs> and start having him throw his slider more to get swings and misses because they've got enough guys that don't do that. If you when you frame it that way, right, as a as a pitch mix issue, it sounds like a Pete Walker special. Uh, yeah. And so here's the funny thing: the other guy who came in this deal, Anthony Bass, is having the best year of his career, without question. I mean, he's having a better year than any other relief pitcher who was traded. He did it by throwing his slider more often. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so people remember Anthony Bass. He was here in 2020, mm -hmm. so we have a good idea of what his stuff is. And he throws about 95 miles an hour, which is, you know, that's his average velocity, so that's not bad. I mean, he can get up to about 97. And he's got a good, hard slider, and he's just decided, you know what? I'm going to throw more sliders than other things. And it worked. He's got a 1.41 ERA, 45 strikeouts in 44 innings, so a bit of bat missing, which the Jays don't have otherwise. You know, only 10 walks, so he's throwing strikes. Only one home run allowed, which that's going to go up. There's no way that's going to maintain. But <laughs> you know, he doesn't need to maintain that, right? They don't need him to be the no. best reliever in the league. They just need him to be a guy who can be relied on to come in and get a strikeout here and there and get them through an inning. Yeah, J Jimmy Garcia has not been perfect, but that doesn't mean you don't use him all the time in the eighth inning, right? When 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 you're facing righty, um, if you have another guy who you can use again, I I think I've made the comment that this bullpen has nine outs in it consistently, pretty much every night they can get nine outs between whoever they they slap up there without allowing a run. It's when you get to twelve and fifteen outs. So if Anthony Bass can give you three outs and not allow a run most of the time, that's fantastic it's, it's it just gets you over the hump when the when the starter's only gone five and two-thirds or what yeah so there, there are two guys that can come in and slot in the middle innings for this team anthony bass probably closer to the back seventh or eighth whereas pop might be you know the guy who comes in in the fifth or sixth to get your to bridge to those guys which has been an absolute tire fire for the jays this year those bridge relievers have been terrible so fixing that is actually far more important than to some people it might seem especially when you have guys like Kikuchi and Stripling, even when he's healthy, he doesn't go that deep in games. So being able to have guys that can come in in those early innings and get and shut, shut you down is important. Yeah. Um, and they, they gave, gave up, up what? Jordan Groshans. Yeah. That's a big name. That's a first round draft pick. Yeah. The Jays have traded three of their last four first round draft picks. The only one who's still around is Manoa. <laughs> but, but, Groshans, so it's actually the Jays get a player to be named later in the deal as well. So they're getting three people for Jordan Groshans. When you hear that, when you hear the Blue Jays have acquired, you know, a guy who's pitching as well as Anthony Bass is, who's under control, under contract for next year with a team option, so they don't have to keep him, and Zach Pop, who's four more years. When you hear that, it should say that, wow, Groshans, like very valuable piece. I think it says a lot that this is what they got for Groshans as opposed to on a, in a deal for a bigger piece because Groshans has been awful this year. 67 games in AAA with one home run. Yeah, I mean, his slugging percentage is 296 in AAA. I'm not going to include his five-game rehab stint in Dunedin. That doesn't, those stats don't matter. But 
he still makes very good contact and he draws a lot of walks. So you can see why a team would be like, well, we can make this work. We can figure this out. But he has hit for no power as a pro. In 218 games, he's got 15 home runs. Um, yeah, and I think the Jays are not in a position, you know, they're in a position where they needed something now, and you have to give something up. And if you're going to give something up, better him than a bunch of those other names that have come up um, as, you know, as rising stars in the Blue Jays system. Yeah, and you know, he got passed by Rovis Martinez, clearly. I think he got passed by Addison Berger. I think that he was the guy they were looking to move for a piece. And there was a, a comment that came out from Buster Olney saying that the Jays' prospects are not as liked by other teams. I think it was this tier where Jordan Groshans, they were hoping they could get, I don't know, use him as a piece for Rysel Iglesias or Frankie Montas or maybe not Rysel Iglesias, but I meant to say Luis Castillo. And he wasn't getting that done. So they did a good job to get two very useful relievers for him, given that. With, like you said, multiple years of control. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those where if he turns into a star for um, the Marlins, that's okay. <laughs> because uh, the Blue Jays have other pieces that, they, that they're, like you said, that have passed him at the moment. Um, I, it's the old, just go ahead and trade your prospect because the Blue Jays are trying to win a World Series in 2022. And they have a very good chance to do it. Yeah. And and Jordan Groshans is, is not going to help with that at all, uh, whereas the guys they acquired will. It's that simple of an equation. But overall, how do you think, how do you feel about how the Blue Jays did? So... I think that each individual trade I like. I like getting Merrifield. I actually I made a comment on Twitter that like I was like with the one you were referenced where they had the slash lines where I said like whisper the Jays should up try to upgrade second base. People hated me saying that. <laughs> well, they did it. But so I like getting Merrifield. I like I mean assuming he can play the home games. <laughs> I really like Mitch White and I like DeJesus, the prospect. And I like Bass and Pop. That said, I think there was something very clear that the Blue Jays needed in this bullpen, and they didn't get it. You know, Anthony Bass misses some bats. Like, he's better than—he's the best strikeout pitcher the Jays have, <laughs> other than maybe Romano. But they needed someone who—that is their game, as opposed to that is something they have in their arsenal. And they didn't get it. Uh, you know, like that now. Now, not a lot of those guys moved. And you had the, you know, Jorge Lopez, the closer for the Orioles. The, you know, in division trades for things like that. Those are top. They didn't get David Robertson. And then they they didn't have the pieces for Josh Hader. Like they, you know, they they, they wanted Taylor Rogers back, and the Jays don't have a Taylor Rogers, which is why they wanted someone like this. But I'd say I like I I think the Jays are better. But I think that they should have prioritized trying to get that as well. I I I I'm still happy, but I'm not as happy as I could be. Um, I think I am. I am fine 
with with what they did because um because they made an effort to you know and, and it wasn't the oh we heard the jays were in on so and so but they just missed out at the last minute they made an effort to try and fill a hole in the rotation a hole in the bullpen and um an awareness that they they either have a problem in center field or second base or both and try to get an answer for that in in a kind of a cute way <laughs> that i'm not you know it's in, it's not splashy or flashy i get it um but the blue jays were never getting juan soto um and a lot of the other deals went off for like you said guys that the blue jays don't have to offer up the, um, the only one that they could have gotten done i think that they did not get done is because it would take it required money right Apparently, yeah. they were talking about and very deep in talks about getting Rysel Iglesias from the Angels. You know, part uh, Jesse Chavez, the 38-year-old guy who just has played, been traded 400 times. He was traded back, and Tucker Davidson, who's you know, a mediocre reliever for the for the Braves, like they, they didn't trade a lot back because they took the contract away. But that would have been the nice move because he is a power strikeout guy. And you put that guy in the eighth ahead of Romano and your bullpen suddenly looks really good. So I would have loved to see that. I can understand why that didn't happen, but that's the only one that's just sort of like, ah, oh, darn. I think the reason why I'm not tremendously disappointed or, or overly, you know, thrilled is because it would be hard to point at the Blue Jays, you know, um, at any point this season, even if they lose a playoff series. And to go, well, for sure, if they just had Iglesias or Robertson, that wouldn't have happened, right? Be because everything is so situational, as opposed to when they got David Price, right? It was like, okay, six well, starts out of David Price. No, I, I agree yeah. with that completely. Although I do think the idea of having bat missers in your bullpen in the postseason is pretty important. Now, they could still get that from Zulueta or Pearson, right? These are the big flame-throwing relievers. Well, actually, they're both starters, but, you know, pitchers that are essentially to be ready in September. And that they, they could be providing exactly what I'm talking about. I, I just wish they didn't have to count on that to get it. That's all. But, like, look, overall, the Jays are better today than they were two days ago, and that's important. Yeah, and there's there's been trade deadlines where uh, we've had a lot more head scratching going on in what was supposedly a competitive season. I think, um, yeah, I, I understand what they what they accomplished with all these moves. Did they accomplish as much as we wanted? Probably not. But this is you're also up against twenty nine other teams doing things. Well, uh, yeah, I mean that that's a caveat. But at yeah. some point, it's all about your willingness to trade your guys too, right? It's it's not so much for like free agency where they like the Jays could trade for anybody. It's just the cost might be prohibitive. Indeed. The one thing that, assuming Stripling is only out for a short period of time, then it doesn't matter if he's if his injury is expected to be longer then it would have made sense to go after a better pitcher than Mitch White. I really like Mitch White. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I think he's really quite solid. But I'm talking about someone who is a full-time starting pitcher if Stripling was hurt for a significant period. I think this says that he is not. Indeed. Um, so despite all of our uh, hand-wringing here, um, the team uh, – sorry, did you cover your, your thoughts on the bullpen regarding swing and miss? I assume that was what you were – No, actually, it wasn't that. So the oh, issue – There was more. All right. No, yeah. So for this year, I did. One of the interesting things, so we talked about how Pop has control, how Bass has control, Springer has control, Mesa has control, 
Garcia is under contract. Romano, obviously, not going. Like, there's a bunch of these guys that are all on the team next year. I think there's actually a downside to never getting rental players because all of these pitchers are fine. Like, they're solid relievers. If you've got seven of those, your incentive to go sign someone who is better than them is lower. And I think that that can hurt your overall quality of your bullpen. And, and you know, last fall or last offseason, which went into the spring, people wanted the Jays to sign Kenley Jansen or Rice Ellis Glacius, actually. They didn't do it. And then the commentary came out, well, you can trade for power arms at the deadline. Well, they couldn't. And I think that the additional postseason teams have made it very hard to trade for certain types of players because everybody wants them. So you need to be able to get those guys in the offseason. And if you, and then that circles right back to you. If you have all these guys, it makes you less incentivized. So I would have liked if they went for a, a rental reliever as opposed to everybody being back next year. Well, the devil's advocate says that those relievers are now a tradable asset instead of having watched a guy walk away at the end of the season. No, I mean, look, there's always value in having someone like under control for sure. But I just think that this team is less likely to do that. I'm just thinking of the way they've operated. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I would have preferred maybe a mix. Indeed. Uh, noted. I'll bring that to Ross. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So the team, the one on the field uh, that that has been put out there every night since the All Star break uh, is actually eight and three, which is some pretty darn good baseball. Yeah, they, I mean they haven't been hitting all that well, but they've gotten some timely hits for sure, and the pitching has been very good. Yeah, we're back to I think uh, it, you know it's not the one run nail biter every single time, but it feels more like the beginning of the season when the lineup. Has a couple of hot guys and a couple of cold guys. You're not sure who those are from night to night, but um, the bullpen, when when given you know seven innings from the starter, uh, well, and this week it was Gaussman with eight innings and one hit against the Rays. Um, the bullpen does a fine job of getting you the last six or nine outs and and not allowing things to get out of hand. So you do only need four runs or three runs to squeak out a victory. Um, as much as that's not as comfortable as when they, you know, before the break, when they slap together a couple of those nine and 10 run nights, um, it gets the job done. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's wonderful to see Gaussman fooling people with the splitter again. That seemed to go away for like three or four starts where he couldn't put the splitter in a tempting spot. Uh, they were very tempted last night. Uh, night before last no last night when we we're recording this um in tampa but tampa can't hit at the moment so i guess and he was coming that. off one of his worst starts of the season well i mean uh, like he, there were inherited runners that scored he didn't pitch as bad as five runs in four and two thirty against the cardinals but he was giving up a lot of balls in play and the splitter location wasn't great in that start so yeah he just bounced back in a huge way um, and I think you sort of alluded to it, but what to make of Yusei Kikuchi since his one rehab stint? Um, it seems to me that he is 
less apt to completely lose his delivery for whatever reason. I thought he's looked really good in both starts. I mean, he was great against the Tigers. I mean, objectively very good against them. I mean, no, no one can complain. He gave up one run. It was a home run, but he only had one walk, five strikeouts, two hits overall. I, he, he was great. He's going through 67 pitches over five, and they took him out. Uh, today, we're, again, recording this on the third against Tampa, I thought that he got squeezed a lot by the umpire, and I thought that he deserved a lot better than he did with his two runs over four, which is still fine. Yeah, are are they were they holding him back on on the fact that he had thrown so many pitches in the third and the fourth today? Like it was kind of weird that he was out of the game, you know, despite generally looking better than he has, you know, over the last little while. Yeah, I'm not entirely certain what happened there. But either way, he did come out and they lost. <laughs> I mean, they get one more run. I don't blame him coming out. It's not like he was going to pitch the sixth anyway. But yeah, I, I'm just really encouraged by what we're seeing. Uh, again, we've said if the fifth starter role is a stable Kikuchi who can give you five or six innings, you know, the Blue Jays really wouldn't have a problem with that. It's it's when the other thing happens. The You're out after an inning and a third because you can't find the strike zone. That's super alarming. So uh, the fact that he hasn't done that recently, credit to him. Um, the reason, of course, that we are not seeing big numbers at the moment is because I'm going to, I'm going to lay it all at Bo Bichette's feet and that's not fair. Um, <laughs> uh, cause the absence of George Springer certainly hurts as well. Um, but the lineup does not have that long string of hot hitters in it at the moment. No, it certainly doesn't. I mean, George Springer wasn't hitting at all himself. So you know, it's it's a thing. So right now, Bichette, Kirk, Springer, and since the start first of July, are all 700 OPS under 700 OPS. Whereas Chapman, Gurriel, and Teoscar have been stars, and actually Vlad's been very solid over this time period too, up in the 890 range. But that's three of your first four hitters in your lineup well, when Springer's in it, who are not hitting. And that's causing some problems. We still haven't actually seen a point where the entire lineup is playing to its potential at once. And I hope that that comes soon. We can dream, Josh. We can dream. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting told hitting is contagious by certain members of the media. Um, apparently, some people have been vaccinated. Nah, not with <laughs> Merrifield. He's going to come in and rake. <laughs> Um, and lastly, in Blue Jays franchise news, the, re the renovations began in earnest. Um, there are now artist concepts released publicly of the things that are definitely going to happen at Skydome in the near future. Um, lots of things, actually, in terms of getting rid of lousy seats and replacing them with areas you might actually want to stand and watch the game. Uh, or moving... sit, there are tables. My goodness, is that, is that legal? Um, <laughs> the, the, the bullpens are going to be moved, the outfield dimensions are, or and elevated, I should say, most importantly, up to closer to the, um, the level of the fans. Um, the fans will be right up against the outfield wall in places. Um, and on and on and on it goes, it's amazing that it's going to look 
with asymmetrical dimensions like a modern ballpark by the time the two years of renovations are done. And if all goes according to schedule, will not disrupt the regular season schedule of games. Yeah, uh, the plan is to do all of that work this offseason with further works being done uh, on the infield, which they haven't announced yet. Those would be done the following offseason. Um, and they did capitulate to our request for uh, not only more comfortable seats, but seats that face home plate. It's That's about a- damn time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, they did do that. I mean, they were, like, to be honest, there's nothing really to complain about with these designs. They look really nice. Oh, the only thing. The bullpens, as you mentioned, are raised. And now the fans are about three feet from the relievers. <laughs> and Shapiro openly said that like, I can't remember the words he used, but basically said, "I want you to heckle the opponents." I just hope it's limited to heckling. Toronto has had some issues with this in the past, and I really don't want it to be a big yeah. problem. I mean, there's—I presume there's going to be a fence in the equation somewhere. Uh, whether it's in the initial design or whether it's the first time an opposing reliever goes up there and says, you you really don't expect me to be there with no protection whatsoever, do you? Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. There are lots of facilities with, with bullpen arrangements that allow the fans to interact and nobody's died yet. But yes, I'm, I'm aware of the, we, we may have thrown things on the field. Uh, on the flip side, the, uh, oppressive security at Rogers Center may may nip that in the bud anyway. Because um, I've heard that just just calling a guy by a funny version of his last name can get you uh, shut down at Rogers Center. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, lo- lots of people are uh, wonder why they get draconian. Um, but maybe your section has a nice guy. Anyway, I love it. Good job, Shapiro. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's about time you spent $300 million on the stadium that you bought for, like, what was it, $25 million or something back in 2000? $25 million, yep, that's what Rogers paid for it. Yeah, time, time to invest back in the stadium. Yeah, um, on that note, uh, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have uh, your questions. Uh, give a gold star to uh, Eric Hosmer, who that's probably the only award he's going to win this year, is my guess, <laughs> and, uh, and a final thought. We'll be right back. And we have returned, and and the most important thing that I can say about us having returned is that we are ready and able and willing to answer your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? And the questions begin with Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt asking... 24 hours after the trade deadline, and the Jays' number six starter is Thomas Hatch. That's not good enough for a contending team, is it? Is it, Josh? Well, I mean, I guess this is technically true because Stripling is hurt, but... That's why he said 24 hours, not right after. No, 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 I know, but... (laughs) I think the idea here, like we alluded to in the top there, is that if the issue here was something that was going to be a long-term one, they would have made different moves. 
I would be curious to know how many teams have a ready-to-go sixth starter at the moment at this stage of the season that they would be ready to hand regular innings to. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees traded away Jordan Montgomery for some weird reason. I don't, I, I didn't really understand that decision. But so they traded away their fifth starter. But most teams, yeah, they can't do that. Um, we'll move to Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6. When will teams stop pitching to Aaron Judge? It's a Yankee podcast question slipped in there. I'm sorry. But it's Colleen, so you got to answer. Soon, hopefully. I mean, geez, what this guy's doing is crazy. It's like, I mean, he keeps getting meatball fastballs too. It's like, which is, I assume, the point of this question. It's, it's like you've you've been watching this season, all right? Opposing teams. I mean, don't throw the ball there to this guy. Um, I think probably that has been the feeling for just about every sixty home run hitter who was not surrounded by, um, another fantastic group of hitters um in that you know if there was a way to intentionally walk Aaron Judge why why aren't you doing it but I mean lots of guys have hit 60 home runs which is which is the pace that he's on I'm not you know not saying it's it's a, a foregone conclusion um so maybe teams are just in a situation where they feel that they want to take their chances with Judge and find out that yes he is a 60 home run hitter yeah uh, no in, in reality it's just He's just too good. He's cut down on his strikeouts, and he's having a monster year. Um, it's crazy that, you know, he didn't sign a deal long-term with the Yankees yet, and he's having a really great year. Isn't that an odd coincidence? <laughs> uh, Brian Donnelly at Brian Donnelly 8 says, Were you as surprised as me that Groshans was the key to two middle relievers? Has the industry soured on him a lot, or am I falling into the trap of overvaluing prospects? Oh, we did discuss so, this. No, no, but I waited to share this. So Shai Davidi said this. He said he was talking to some scout or something like that, one of the people they talked to. And when they saw the return, they they were like, wait, that's all the Jays are only sending Groshans and they got those two guys back? That's a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> like they thought that the Jays were going to be sending more players in the deal, not the other way around. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's how the industry feels. Jordan Groshans has gone from number one, first round pick to meh. Yep. Uh, ball her at baseball her. Doesn't ask. Just says. Talk about their names being nouns. <laughs> okay. Technically, white can be used as a noun, but it's an adjective. So I just and Mary. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> so. Uh, Wit is uh, is a little bit to care not. So that's also a word, like a, a normal word that isn't a name. Uh, Maryfield is a combination of potentially two words. Pop is pop. I don't know what a Zach is. No, uh, it's last names. It, it, it was Bass, Pop, White, and Maryfield. Now, yeah, Mary is an adjective and White's basically an adjective. But it is kind of funny that all of the players' names were words. I, I think... just asking us to to play on them constantly in... Basically, the Jays are looking out for the beat writers. That's what's happening here. Hey, from a guy who has extreme troubles. Now, Bass isn't fair because he could be Anthony Bass. Um, <laughs> for a guy who has extreme trouble pronouncing things, a hearty thank you to whoever at the front, whomever at the front office decided these were the guys to go get. 100%. I'm your friend now. Um, uh, 
Wow. BK at underscore BKUH underscore says, sell me on every player acquired at the deadline. Also address just how terrible Montes's shoulder clearly is. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Zach Pop is clearly Blake Trine in 2.0. They just had to figure out a little bit of way the way to use his power sinker, and he's going to become the best closer in the league. Anthony Bass is real. Everything is real. We've, we've he changes pitch mix. Obviously, that means the one point whatever year is real. And what Merrifield's July? He's just turned back into the guy from three years ago. And Mitch White is, you know, he's everything actually Mitch White really is. So I don't need to convince you on that one. <laughs> wow. Okay. What about Montas's shoulder? Well, just, I mean, he's already had injuries. Like it, and he's a Yankee now who are just notorious for lead, not not maintaining guys' shoulders. He's going to start getting on the Luis Severino train, and he's going to be out for two seasons. Wow. Good thing you were on top of all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ian Scrimger at Scrimisms. How scared are you of the Mariners? Um, I mean, they, they made some nice moves. They, they picked up Luis Castillo in a big trade. They traded a lot to get him. Yeah, they made, they, they made the right moves. Like they, they, they added a couple guys and they're trying to go for it, but I still think the Blue Jays are better. So I, I think the four game sweep, uh, during their big win streak probably has tainted our, our otherwise unbiased view of the Mariners as, as a fan base. I think the Mariners are a good team, but not great. Um, and the Blue Jays are a very good team and almost great. So I'm not, I'm not that actually that worried about the Mariners. So, I mean, now one thing is they are about to get Mitch Hanniger back, who is one of their best players. And they did add Luis Castillo, who is an elite pitcher. But I, I just think the Blue Jays are a better team still. And as long as the Jays stay ahead of them, they'll play three home games. And that's fine with me. Um, next question. Foul out boy at split letters. Um, Luke was not happy with the trade deadline from the myriad of tweets I saw. And I think this, this falls into that, uh, category. Do the Jays think that avoiding flamethrowing relievers is a market inefficiency or something struggling to understand the bullpen's construction otherwise? Hey, Zach pop is a flamethrowing reliever. He just doesn't get swings and miss. Yeah. It was very hard. But no, like I obviously I had my issues with it too. I talked about it at the top when we we did our overall deadline thoughts. I think that it's something that is lacking, and good teams have it. You know, the the best teams have it. So the Jays are going to be having to try to overcome that to be the best team, and that's tough. Indeed, um, I think they got a team that would take the Jordan Groshans and give them two good relievers. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, they 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 did very well in their trades. I, I mean, I still like Frasso when she was still around, but yeah, I, it's just they didn't get that. That's all. Um, Andrew Arnold at Arnie underscore nineteen eighty one on a scale of one to ten, how hilarious is it that Whit Merrifield is now a Blue Jay? It's a ten for sure. Yeah, just because of, of all of the well, we know it's not going to be the Blue Jays, <laughs> and it was. Even even people not affiliated with the Blue Jays, I saw like a reaction on a podcast of it was it was like CBS Sports or something deadline day reaction. It's like the 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 slack jawed reactions when it was and he's he's been traded uh huh to the Blue Jays. What? Yeah, everybody knew that that was the weirdest silliest possibility, and it just was like, yep, we're doing it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. It's actually Whit Merrifield's out for the season, and they just wanted to troll the entirety of the sports covering world. 
Oh dear, that's not very nice at all. But we're Canadians, we can't be like that. Oh, Minor Leaguer. At Minor Leaguer gets in with our last question of the day under the wire. Why do you think the Blue Jays have released a high resolution renderings of the Rogers Center renovations but have not given any details on the outfield dimensions or wall heights? These are important things to know for baseball fans. I totally agree. I don't think they know them yet. Yeah, I totally don't think they know them either. I think they're like, well, um, when we when we actually get out there and start measuring things, if if it turns out, you know, somebody miscalculated and the bullpen needs to be three feet wider, they don't want to commit to a number on that wall and then change it. Yep. Um and heights. Oof. I don't know. I feel like the heights are like indeterminate as it goes anyway. Um, we will get this information. I just don't think they know the answer yet. Yeah, no rush. Uh, we do have a gold star to hand out because we have included the questions and it sounds like this. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals to the San Diego Padres. Almost. <laughs> uh, because the Washington Nationals were on whose no trade clause, Josh? <laughs> Eric Hosmer. <laughs> the, so the trade leaked. It's like Padres and Nationals have agreed to a trade to send Juan Soto for a boatload of young players and a major league piece. And the major league piece comes out is Eric Hosmer. And it's like, oh, well, okay. We knew the, the, the Padres needed to shave some money because they're a luxury tax, blah, blah, blah. Wait a minute. Eric Hosmer is not agreeing to a trade to the Nationals? <laughs> well, first it was, there was no idea what he was doing, but the idea, but they was reported he, they had, they were on his list of 10 teams. And then there was this thought that Eric Hosmer could scuttle the deal. <laughs> Because why would you ever accept that trade? Why would you ever go from the Padres to the Nationals willingly? Yeah. I mean, the whole point of having a no trade clause, other than to, uh, you know, to give yourself some, some financial incentives in, in certain cases, is to ensure that you don't end up miserable. <laughs> yeah. So the gold star goes to this whole circus around this because it lasted for a good hour. And all the <laughs> no trades happened while this was happening. It was like the baseball world ground to a halt just to watch what was going on in San Diego and Washington. And by the way, Luke Voigt must be must hate Eric Hosmer now because he ended up getting put in the deal instead, and he had to leave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric Hosmer is Luke Voigt's least favorite player. <laughs> No one wants to go to Washington. Yeah, well, you should have it in your contract, buddy. <laughs> See ya. I'm you didn't to, have a contract. Yeah, I'm off to Boston, uh, which was the other thing. It was like, well, you can't, you don't have to go to, to, to Washington, but you can't stay here. Yeah. Uh, so he ended up going to, yeah, going to Boston, <laughs> which so they could shed the, the weird thing is they were just trying to shed his salary for this year. They're paying the rest of the contract. Which is the, Thirty, forty-four million dollars, something like that. I mean, wow! To get the Soto deal done, that was, yeah, that was a great move. It's just like big middle finger. <laughs> By the way, what a deadline for San Diego! They added Soto, Josh Hader, 
and Josh Bell and Brandon Drury, who just hit a grand slam for them. I remember Brandon Drury wasn't very good at all, and now he's like a super utility player, but that's okay. He had um, 21 home runs. Yeah. Um, I'm also glad that Soto did not end up in the American League, is all oh, I'm saying. Oh, yes. Definitely, yes. <laughs> there, there are enough good hitters in the American League that Blue Jays pitching doesn't know what to do with. Uh, so yeah, you can, uh, come on down if you're in town. Uh, does Boston visit Toronto again? You can go swing by Josh's place and pick up your gold star, Eric. If you're I'm sure they do. Yeah, they definitely do. So yes, yeah. he, I will have it at, our house, at my house. Okay. Well, just so he knows. Um, which rolls us over into our final thought segment. Uh, usually not, you and I kind of go two different directions on the final thought. Uh, today though, I think you and I, uh, we're going to do the same thing anyway. Uh, so we discussed it. Uh, at the age of 94, baseball's greatest single voice, I think, as a broadcaster, Vin Scully, passed away yesterday. Um, one last trade down for Vin, I guess. Um, and, I mean, the man absolutely lived the richest and fullest baseball life I think anyone could ever dream of. But it is still, it's definitely a moment to pause and think about, uh, you know, the fact that he's passed. How many people owe their baseball fandom to hearing him call games. The number must be in the hundreds, if not thousands. Oh, thousands, easily. Easily. With the way he would tell a story and weave through the fabric of history to make points and always still manage to get back on pitch. Never, He never missed a pitch. Even though he could tell these long-winded stories that seemed to have nothing to do with anything, they would always circle back to a great point. He was just a legend, and he was apparently he just had time for everybody you know people would run into him and he would take time to talk to them and talk about baseball and life and he's just one of the true unanimously loved greats and it's very sad that he's no longer with us i think um one of the things that i find interesting about man has nothing to do with baseball is that every time you see a picture and it's a candid photo so he's not vin is not posing and he's meeting a child Someone, someone's brought their baby like Clayton Kershaw or, you know, someone else in the booth. The expression of pure unbridled joy on his face at meeting a child. Um, and he, there's no reason for him to, you know, be putting on airs or to be pretending or anything else. He's, he's, he was a genuinely happy and joyful person. And then he brought that into the booth and he always talked about my friends, right? I'm, I'm talking to my friends as we watch a baseball game together. No broadcaster I have ever listened to other than Scully has really captured that, that sense of talking directly to me about something, you know, that he and I are both interested in and both experiencing together. It was pure magic. Absolutely. Could have said it better. Um, yeah. Look up Vin Scully's greatest calls. Um, one last thing, one of the neat things that he did that, that ended up, he didn't think it would be iconic. I've I watched an interview with him. He would often say the date and the time if someone was about to finish something historic, like Sandy Koufax's perfect game. Um, and then years later, when you listen to the call, your sense of time and place shifts just because he's talking about you know, this happened at this moment. Um, again, it, it's a thing that no other broadcaster has has ever mastered, or, or I don't think ever will master, despite 
you know, every broadcaster being a Vin Scully fan. <laughs> uh, small or large. So yeah, Vin, you will be missed, even though you, you had retired. Um, your voice, duh. 67 years of baseball coverage. Uh, your voice will never be forgotten. So, on that note, our little voices are about to go away for another week, which is to say, you have been Joshua Housem, Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been episode number 243 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you next week. <laughs>